You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. Hey everybody, it's Tuesday, November 8th, which means that it's uh, primary voting day in New Hampshire, and we're going to find out if Obama's a fluke and Huckabee is going to fucking drive the Republican Party off the cliff and if Hillary's going to come roaring back most of us are going to find that out. Those of us who are obsessed with politics are going to find that out. But not everyone is obsessed with politics. Some people are obsessed with sex, which is why you're listening to this dumb show. So I'm not going to talk about what I'm obsessed about with right now, which is what the fuck is going on with the uh, you know, presidential race for 2008, because it's so exciting, the 2008 presidential race. I don't care that it's been going on for two fucking years. I've enjoyed every fucking minute of it already. I'm going to enjoy every fucking minute of it that comes. Because all it all it means, all it drives home every time you pick up the paper, and there's Hillary or Edwards or Obama or even Huckabee and Romney and Giuliani, is that George Bush isn't going to be president of the United States for fucking ever. It's coming to an end. And every time we open the newspaper and we read about November 2008, my spirits lift a little bit, and I feel a little bit better, and then I'm in the mood to answer your skeezy sex questions. Hi, Dan. My name's Mindy. I'm 22, and I'm straight. I've been with my boyfriend for about six years, and we have really great sex. The problem is we only have really great sex when I'm really drunk, which is kind of an issue for me. Um, I've sort of been thinking that I'd like to find out why I'm so, like, insecure about sex when I'm not drunk. Like, we have wild, crazy sex sex. And I just can't seem to repeat the same thing when I'm not, like, you know, too drunk on Andre or something of that nature. And I just, you know, I, I don't want to have to be drunk every time we have sex. It's been six years, you know? And I'm satisfied with our relationship and our sexual relationship, but I want to find a way to open up, and I didn't know if you had any suggestions. Okay. One of my theories when it comes to sex is that if you find something that works for you, you should keep fucking doing it. And if being a little blotto uh, results in good sex, you should probably get a little blotto every time you fuck if you want to have great sex. But, you know, that's substance abuse and you're going to pickle your liver and your face will fall off your skull and you'll look like an old hag by the time you're 35 if you have to get shit-faced every time you want to have good sex. So what you need to do is focus on what the alcohol accomplishes for you and what it does is it lowers the inhibition – it provokes the desire uh, and impedes the performance, as Shakespeare once said, but about men. I guess that doesn't necessarily apply to women. Um, certainly not to you if you're banging your lights out every time you shit face. So you need to think about other ways you can lower your inhibitions without getting shit faced. Um, and you need to think about where your inhibitions come from and whether you can triumph over them uh, psychologically uh, without the crutch that the alcohol provides. Um, only working on that can do it. Only committing yourself to owning your desires and throwing yourself uh, unselfconsciously into the sex you enjoy having uh, without being shit-faced is going to help you get there. Uh, And it's going to require an act of will. You're going to have to will it, not swill it. Ha ha ha, I'm here all week. Thank you. That's why I got paid the big bucks. Um, So so here's what I recommend you do. Uh, Wean yourself slowly. Get a little less shit-faced. Instead of having two pitchers... Have a pitcher and a half, and then have a pitcher, and then have half a pitcher, and then have a pint, and then have a shot, and see if you can lower the amount of alcohol and eventually eliminate the alcohol you need to get yourself to good sex. You're just having that one little bit of encouragement, that one little cup of courage to help you 
throw yourself into it, to help you will yourself to have the uninhibited, crazy, off-the-hook, fucking passionate sex that you know you're capable of. Because if you can have it when you're shit-faced, you can have it sober. That's just true. You just have to tell yourself that and believe it and go do it. Um, The other thing I would recommend uh, is swapping out your substances. (laughs) If you really can't get there without substance abuse, I would really recommend pot in place of alcohol. Uh, It's not addictive. uh, It's less destructive to your internal organs. Uh, Don't believe the drug warriors when they say pot is so much stronger now and pot smoke is so much worse for you than cigarette smoke. Uh, Both those things are true. Pot is stronger now. Which means you can smoke less of it. So you, you're exposed to less of that dangerous pot smoke because of pot being stronger. And when they talk about pot smoke, marijuana smoke being so much more toxic, which is not true, uh, than cigarette smoke, so much more dense, so much blacker, unfiltered, it's not packed with chemicals either, or, or falsely manipulated nicotine levels, um, that, that, that all may be true. Pot smoke may be worse for you, uh, by dose than cigarette smoke would be, but nobody smokes pot. The way people smoke cigarettes. You don't chain smoke joints. You couldn't chain smoke joints. You smoke just enough to achieve the effect, which is being stoned, and then you put the pot away. It's not like a pack of cigarettes. Nobody goes through a pack of joints every day. Uh, nobody who can hold on a job, uh, hold on to a boyfriend and have sex at all, goes through a pack of cig- pack of joints a day. So that would be my recommendation for you: decrease the alcohol intake, up the pot intake. Hi, Dan. I'm a 26-year-old married straight male. And um, when I got married, my wife was uh, very sheltered and inexperienced. Uh, She was a virgin. We started dating. I had some experience, not a lot, but some. My wife is interested in being more adventurous and trying out new things. I've suggested that she watched some porn to get some ideas. She's not really comfortable with that. How on earth would you suggest that somebody start figuring out what they're interested in? She wants to try more. She's interested in trying more, but she doesn't know where to begin. She feels a little overwhelmed with it. I don't feel like I have enough experience to tell her, and porn's been my only thought so far. I'm just looking for some guidance on where somebody inexperienced kind of learns what might make them tick. Oh, my God, be careful. Be very, very careful you are being this is a face job this is this is a trap that you're being asked to walk into in a lot of instances you know in a long-term couple uh you know particularly if a woman has a lot of the hang-ups that women typically uh have beaten into them in our culture about sex and desire the woman will say i want to explore but she doesn't want to own anything she doesn't want to say and here's the five things i'm interested in doing she wants you to sort of intuit magically. She wants you to read her mind and bring to the table the things that turn her on, the things that she wants to try, or for you to discover them so that she doesn't have to take any responsibility for them. So that these ultimately aren't things that she wanted to do, but things she's doing to please you. And the problem with this approach, uh, when women uh, in long-term relationships feel a little bored and want to spice things up, when they shift all the responsibility to the guy and they say, you know, let's be more adventurous, but I don't know what I want to do, you have to figure it out, I'm not going to look at porn, surprise me, is that you'll do something that freaks her out, that turns her off, that shatters her ego, or that shatters her ability to, you know, to uh, feel passionately uh, tuned into you sexually anymore, that makes her feel violated, all because you were groping around, flying blind, and trying to read her mind, trying to read her erotic mind, and that ain't possible. So you need to go to her and have sort of a not sexy, not like, while you're fucking conversation, 
where you're just like, hey, I am totally up for anything. I really want us to have you know, a really passionate uh, sexual relationship. I want there to be lots of possibility, and I want us to have sexual adventures together. But we need to, you know, arrive at some of those together. We need to be able to have conversations about the things that turn you on, the things that turn me on, and determine what some of those things are. I'm not just going to spring shit on you, because that wouldn't be fair to you, you should say to her, but it also wouldn't be fair to me, you should say to her. Because it's just all the responsibility to you, like I said. It also puts you in a really perilous position where what if you spring something on her that not only doesn't turn her on, but horrifies her and disappoints her and makes it impossible for her to tune into you sexually anymore and destroys your marriage. Ta-da! It has happened. So no flying blind. I can see, you know, a lot of women don't like visual depictions of porn. They don't like the videos. You know what? I don't like the videos either. Whatever gene that is that women have, uh, most women have, they don't like pornography. I, don't, I got it too. I don't like watching video porn. I do like watching or reading porn. A lot of women do like reading erotic stories. That's why all the slash fiction on the web is written primarily by women for women, even when it's gay, which I don't understand, but there it is. So if she's not interested in, you know, the porn that you're interested in, there's porn out there. For women, uh, most of it's literature, and you should turn her on to that. But you also need to not draw her out. It's not your responsibility to draw her out. You need to you need to draw a line and say you need to emerge. You need to come out a little bit. We can go on this journey together. We can hold. I'll hold your hand. You'll hold mine while we you know figure out what our sexual adventures are going to be. But you have to open up to me a little bit about what it is that turns you on, and it's your responsibility, honey, in part to expose yourself to things that'll help you. Determine what those things are if you don't know what they are. So my words, words of real, I, I'm sorry, I'm like blowing up real uh, caution. You have to use real caution in this situation because what she's asking of you is unfair and potentially very damaging to your marriage and your sexual relationship. So shift a whole bunch, 50% of the responsibility back to her. And then explore together. It's not your job. These aren't groceries. You can't run out and get her sexual fantasies and bring them home. She's got to help discover them with you together so that the explorations are healthy and that uh, and mutually satisfactory and not, again, a danger to your relationship and your marriage. Hi, Dan. Um, I have a question on the situation. Please, God, help me. Um, I kind of snooped. I had, I had some suspicions about my boyfriend and some like homemade porn that he may or may not have had that he wasn't supposed to have, that he said he didn't have, and so I snooped. And so, of course, I found a lot worse. Um, I found six hard drives full of porn, um, some of it you know, that he'd made with other girlfriends that he was supposed to have gotten rid of when we started making some. And, um, but even, the re- you know, the rest of it was pretty pedestrian, you know, porn-wise, but the, the volume of it I find really disturbing. And, of course, I'm mad and hurt and upset and sad because he's lied to me, you know, repeatedly about it. Um but I'm also really worried about him because maybe he has, like, some porn problem. I don't know. I mean, am I making excuses for him? You know, is he just a total dickwad? You know, probably. Hello? Hey, it's Dan. 
Hi, Dan. How are you doing? Oh, I'm a little nervous, but I'm really happy to be talking. <clears throat> well, don't be nervous. Okay. And okay. Uh, don't cry. It makes, oh, breaks God. my heart when people cry. I might cry. Those of us who have no feelings are often very flummoxed when other people do. I'll try and keep it together. <laughs> um, so, about your boyfriend's porn problem, I would agree that he has a porn problem. Okay. Um, he has two uh, porn yeah. problems. I, yeah, I, yeah. One is uh, modern technology. And let me explain that first. Uh, you know, people, people now have in their hands the, you know, the tools to make their own porn, to star in their own porn. Um, and, and in some ways, that's a really good thing, because, you know, once upon a time, all porn and all guys look at porn featured only, you know, perfectly idealized, unreal human beings, totally airbrushed, uh, you know, all, everybody in pancake makeup and all the, like, you know, farts, hair pulling, awkward moments, all edited out and gave people totally unrealistic ideas about what sex looked like and what it would feel like and unrealistic expectations. In some cases, made it impossible for people to enjoy real human sex because all they'd seen all their lives was, you know, kabuki sex. Yeah. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing about the modern technology. One of the bad things about the modern technology, and it can spook the shit out of girlfriends, is it just makes it possible for someone to store thoughtlessly so much porn. It is so much. I know, but let me, you know, once upon a time, if you had, like, some porn in your closet, porn under your bed, guys would acquire porn and then deacquisition porn. Yeah. Because they could, you know, eventually your whole house would be, you know, from floor to ceiling pornography if you didn't get rid of it somehow sometimes. With, you know, with, if it, all it is is, like, a million images or little video clips on a disc, you can just keep dumping and dumping and dumping. Yeah. And never, you know, throw it away. Because... It's not taking up any space. There's no reason to throw it away. It's not like he sits at home 24 hours a day, seven days a week, looking through his porn collection anymore. Right. All right. My boyfriend likes porn. He has a million clips of porn on his computer, without a doubt. I don't go look at them. They're not for me. I don't care. But I'm sure, as volume goes, he could probably hold a candle to your boyfriend. Okay. Although he's in none of them. <laughs> okay. I should always say that. He's going to kill me for saying any of those, but I should put that out there. He's not in his own pornography. Right, right. Um, the other problem he has uh, with porn is I, I, I kind of want to say, it's you. Um, but I don't want to say that because I don't want you to cry. Okay. You know, it, but it's women in general. You know, men have been trained to tell women what they want to hear about their porn collections, which is they don't have them or they're small. And it's usually not true. Usually they have them, and sometimes they're significant. But women are threatened by porn collections. Uh, women feel like porn is cheating, which is crazy bullshit. And, and, and so men end up in this posture, this default posture of always lie. Never tell the truth. Because women can't handle the truth when it comes to porn. I am a sex-positive, happy, you know, honest person. And he knows all that. Mm -hmm. So, like, I kind of, I, your argument carries a lot of weight, but at the same time, it's BS because right. it's me. Right, right, it is you. However, you know, a lot of people guys also feel like, you know, I, you know, I have a sex-positive girlfriend, but their instinct after, you know, 20 unsex-positive girlfriends or hearing all the, you know, from all their friends who had girlfriends freak out about their porn collection is to not necessarily trust you know what I mean? Yeah. That the girlfriend is who she claims to be when it comes to the porn issue. So it, it sounds like you were making some porn clips with him. Yeah, we did, you know, like a little bit of, like, you know, some pictures, a little bit of video stuff, like not very extensive 
Mm-hmm. And so, what are you threatened about? That he clearly, you know, is a scalp hunter who, you know, is, you know, wants clips of all his girlfriends, or that you're threatened that he still he saves clips of his old girlfriends? Yeah, well, I think I think it's really concerning is that he's lied several times about the ex-girlfriends. That's like my lied problem. several times about saving porn featuring them. Yes, exactly. Why do you want him to get rid of that porn? That is like. Because it violates things he promised them, or it violates you? I feel like it violates me. It may or may not violate something that he promised them. I, I just don't know. You know, I don't... Because like my he, concern, if I were in your shoes, would be, you know, we made this stuff together, and, you know, he's promised... You know, maybe he promised you that if you broke up, he'd get rid of it. Obviously, he's not going to get well, rid of yeah, it. Yeah, like, the two conditions that I had when he first, like, proposed this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was like, okay, here are my conditions, and you can think about it and decide if you're comfortable with it. And one of them was that if we break up, he has to get rid of what he has of me because, you know, this was like our thing and it was a a part of us being together. If we weren't together anymore, you know, whether it was good circumstances or bad circumstances, I wasn't comfortable with him having it. Right. The only way for you to ensure something like that is for you to control the porn collection. Which I tried. Which is almost impossible. Yeah. And he, like nixed that. Right. And then the other condition was is that if you have anything from old girlfriends or other like like sexual situations like he had stripper pictures, for example, like where he was there and the strippers were on him and like that I didn't want him to have that, you know, you you know why, well, but why don't like why don't you strippers. want him to have those things? Why don't you want him to have those things? I mean I think that it's I mean, probably the simplest way to say it is, okay, yeah, like, I feel threatened by it. I don't like the, I don't like to acknowledge that, you know, those girls still mean something to him in any way. That's so unfair. That really is. It's, it's, it's very controlling. And it's a sort of controlling behavior that will draw out, you know, character default and the person telling them, but will draw lies. Will put someone in a position of having to tell somebody something that they want to be told that they're asking to be told that's because they're asking something that's unfair. You know what? I have I have boyfriends that I was with before my boyfriend, and they still mean something to me. They were they were they were part of my life, not just emotionally but sexually, at important parts of my life, and I value those memories. And my boyfriend shouldn't tell me that I have to pretend when he's around that my history and my previous relationships. Uh, have to, you know, be stuffed down a memory hole or, or treated as if they're unimportant or valueless to make him feel like he is important and has value now. I have, you know, I was with a guy for five years before I, I've been with my current boyfriend for 13 years. I still have dinner with my ex-boyfriend when I see him, when we're in the same city. We hang out, we go to plays together when we're in town. And part of what we're enjoying is not just, you know, our current company, but um, the value we place on the time we were together. I don't want him not to talk to his ex girlfriend. He's good friends with two of them, like, and they're really nice girls. And I've met them, and it's like super cool. I, I don't want to like put constraints on the relationships that he has with them. You, you just don't want to feel like you're competing with them sexually. I don't want to compete with them. But are you competing with them sexually, even if he holds on to these clips? Apparently. Well, that's, no, that's how you feel. Yeah. But is it true? You know, I can't answer that question for him. Here's my advice. You need to go to him, and, and maybe you guys can resolve this if you both give a little, where you ask him to get rid of this stuff, and, and it has to be an ultimatum. It has to be like, 
if this is really how you feel, if it's really this hard for you, it has to be an ultimatum where that goes or I go. And no more lies. But you need to at least acknowledge that what you're asking of him is a little controlling and perhaps a little unfair, but it's the price of admission to be your girlfriend. You're talking to me about my feelings about the porn and my control about the porn, and that's cool and that's valid, and I'm trying to be really open to it, Mm -hmm. but, like... He's getting totally off on, like, lying multiple times. Oh, no, he needs to... You need to, like, fucking rip him to shreds for the lies. You know, that, that's very damaging, and he has to go to some lengths to repair the damage that he's done through the lie talk. I'm just telling... I'm just asking you to understand why guys assume a posture of, of lie first when it comes to porn. Yeah. Because the world is stacked against guys. Male sexuality, heterosexual male sexuality in particular, you know, it sounds really counterintuitive, but they get... They kind of get the raw end of the stick because male sexuality is pathologized you know it's not healthy it's not good to you know want to fuck a million people it's not healthy it's not good to want to look at pornography or want to not be monogamous even you know we 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 mock and and guys are derided for having standard issue heterosexual guy fantasies like a three-way with two girls you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like guys can't seem to catch a break and guys are told that, you know, love means not wanting to sleep with somebody else. When it actually love means refraining from sleeping with anybody else. Yeah, yeah. Here's again what you need to do. You need to say, to be with me, you need to get rid of some of this stuff. And I realize that what I'm asking of you is a little bit unfair, but that's the price of admission to be with me. So if you want to be with me, you need to do X. If you don't want to do X, we should probably break up. Stop lying, bastard. And you should stop lying, bastard. And you know what? So should you. <laughs> yeah. And so should I. And you know what? We never will. We all should. We should at least try, though. That's true. Okay. Thanks for calling. Sure thing. Bye. Hi, Dan. Um, I just had a really rough day. I found out that my boyfriend of three years um, has been uh, contacting men online um, on Craigslist for blowjobs, handjobs and I don't really know what else. Um, I kind of suspected that maybe he was doing this kind of thing before because I'd actually seen something on the computer that um, concerned me. And um, I guess my question is, um, does this make him gay or bisexual? or What does it mean? Because we've been in a heterosexual relationship for three years, and... um, I don't understand why somebody who claims to be straight would be looking for this kind of action on the side if he weren't closet homosexual or just flat out um, gay. So um, please let me know what you think. Hello? Hey, it's Dan. Hi. Uh, How are you doing? Oh, not good at all. I'm really sorry. On behalf of all, like, uh, homosexuals everywhere, we apologize uh, for the fact that your boyfriend's a piece of shit and a liar. Um, so you've been together three years. Do you live together? Uh, yes. Oh. At the time. At the time? Are you, have you broken up? Um, right now? Yeah. Yes. Um, actually, everything kind of exploded the day after that I called you. Well, what's the and What's the update? Uh, the update is uh, his friend kind of forced him to come over to my 
house and and tell me everything, spill the beans about everything that's been going on because I suspected a lot may have been. And um, so I found out that he cheated on me starting when we first met. He cheated on me with drunk people. He cheated on me with um, couples with. Uh, and then the kicker, I found out he's been giving blowjobs to guys um, throughout our relationship. The last one occurred two weeks ago in my apartment while I was out of town in my bed. So luckily his friend, who happens to be gay, um, you know, kind of rescued me by forcing him to tell me everything that he's done. So not only, you know, am I, like, curious whether my boyfriend is gay now, I'm totally devastated because I've been lied to and cheated to for three years. Were you guys having unprotected intercourse in this time? Were you using condoms? Yes. No, we were not. And I already got screened yesterday. So Good. I'm waiting for those results. That would be the first thing I would uh, recommend that you do. Um, if he wasn't having anal intercourse, his odds of, uh, as a passive partner without protection, his odds of contracting HIV are really slim, vanishingly slim, even, you know, giving blowjobs like crazy uh, to strange men. So, uh, you know, the big scary HIV AIDS seems really unlikely, uh, and so you should take a little bit of comfort in that while you wait for your results. Uh, okay. I, you know, are you still curious to know what's up with him? Like, why he would be hetero-identified while he's clearly out of control sexually and seeking so much gay sex on the side? Or is that... Is that I, I am curious. I've, I've spent, like, the last couple hours actually look, reviewing some of your old um, columns and uh, some of the ones about straight guys wanting to suck cock and stuff like that. And so uh, I think I know a little bit more... Well, you know, there are there are straight-identified guys out there who, you know, they write me, and, and they exist, and they're all over Craigslist and other websites, who, you know, say they're 98% straight, and 2% of the time they want to get a blowjob, and they, you know, why female tranny escorts are in business is because there's some guys out there that want dick, uh, who but only want women, and, you know, a dick attached to a woman is a great thing, or a great addition to their sexual repertoire. Uh, what's shitty is, you know, there are women out there who are turn who would love nothing more than to be with a guy who gives guys blowjobs every once in a while, so long as they could watch or participate in some way. Um, and you're not that woman, right? No. And no, I'm not. So he, and I'm not making excuses for him. He's a piece of shit. You need to dump him. You get the fuck away from him and have nothing to do with him for the rest of your fucking life. All right? Done. Already done. But there are guys out there who, you know, do this all on the sly and in secret because they're afraid they can never come out, because they're afraid they'll lose their jobs, they're afraid they'll lose their friends, they're afraid, they're afraid, they're afraid. Um, you know, and then there are 14-year-old gay kids in high schools in Missouri who are coming out, and they're afraid too. And so it puts, you know, the conduct of these guys who say, oh, I couldn't come out, I couldn't be honest, I was just too afraid because the world hates homos, into perspective. You know, if a 14-year-old in fucking Missouri or Mississippi can come out in an American high school and tough it out and brave that out, there's no excuse if you're 98% straight and 2% by not to be open and honest about it. So that women who are down with that can date you and women who aren't can avoid you. Right? Right. Is he gay? Very possibly. How old is he? 28. Very possibly. He may just be bi. How was your sex life? 
Did he seem to enjoy sex with you? Um, I'd say our sex life was okay. Um, nothing special. Was but it, we did, did it, have sex. It wasn't that frequent. Okay, so there, it felt perfunctory? Um, no, it, no, I mean, it didn't feel forced or anything. It just, when it happened, it happened. But I definitely wanted it more than he did. I'd say that, that ups the odds that he may actually be gay and was, mm-hmm. you know, having a straight relationship for public consumption. How did that's you... That's straight, I think. Pardon? I, I said that's what I'm starting to think, is that he kind of uses women as his cover. As a beard. Yeah. How how did your gay friend find out all this was going on? How did he get involved and orchestrate this big confrontation? Uh, he just happened to be in town the night that I found all these uh, emails from Craigslist. Mm-hmm. And um, so he was, uh, like, with my boyfriend at the time, hanging out with him. And so he kind of got in the middle of all this. And then uh, apparently this gay friend of his, I've also found out, used to be um, in love with my boyfriend. They lived together. They never had any kind of sexual relationship, so they both tell me, until three nights ago, <laughs> right before all of this uh, hit the fan, uh, my boyfriend gave him a blowjob, so. Oh my God, nice I don't know what friend. To think. Yeah, so this friend actually, you know, in a way, I, I'm, I thank him for, you know, letting this all come out because maybe I never would have broken up with this guy if I hadn't known all about all this cheating and lying. But at the same time, um, you know, he was willing to let my boyfriend blow him in the midst of, um, you know, him trying to help my boyfriend yeah, with his I, relationship. I, it sounds like your friend may have had an ulterior motive. I'm just going to go out on a limb there and say that. I, I agree. You, I, you know what, if I were you, I wouldn't hang out with that friend either. <laughs> Um, He's not my friend. Okay. So all all there is to do now is to is to move on. You'll never know. The only way we'll know for sure exactly what your boyfriend is is if we could drill a hole in his head and look at the mental images that play in his mind while he beats off. And we can't do that. So you know maybe he's partly straight, partly you know tiny bit gay. Maybe he's all gay and all the straight stuff was a lie. And maybe he's going to come out, maybe he's bi, who the fuck knows? And you know it doesn't fucking matter because he's out of your life and he's not your problem anymore, right? It's a pity the poor motherfuckers that get involved with him in the future. Yeah. You need to move on. You need to remind yourself constantly that not all men are lying sacks of shit, that not all men are out there giving blowjobs and cruising around Craigslist. And, of course, when you do get involved with somebody else in the future, you need to be honest about what happened to you in this relationship. Mm-hmm. So that that person knows that they have an added burden of not tweaking your insecurities around cheating. And you're going to have really justifiable insecurities around cheating probably for a while. Yeah. So that person, the next person that you date and become seriously involved with, is assuming a burden to really be cautious and careful and considerate of your insecurities around being cheated on. And, you know, you will trust again, but it'll take time. And it's going to take probably a guy to prove to you that he's trustworthy. Mm-hmm. But don't keep a guy roasting on a spit forever, and don't persecute your next boyfriend for the sins of your last boyfriend. I will try not to. Okay. Yes. I'm really, I'm really sorry that this happened to you. It really sucks. And if your boyfriend were here, I'd deck him. <laughs> Me too. 
your ex, your ex-boyfriend. Thanks. Talk to you later. Thank you, Dan. Bye. Take care. Bye. Uh, all these weepy people. Tech-savvy at-risk youth, just give me a goofy, stupid sex question, please. Hi, Dan. Um, happy New Year. This is Paul. My girlfriend, when we have sex, she's, she's a huge grammar nerd. And she likes to keep this manual of correct grammar, like you would find, I don't know, in an English teacher's classroom. And sometimes she likes to do all kinds of things. She wants me to, like, yell out a certain rule of grammar while we're in bed. Or she'll want me to say something deliberately wrong so that she can correct me. And I'm like, I, I go along with it, you know, because I want to be GGG and she is for me and it's great. But it's, it's so funny. And like every time I laugh and then I, when I laugh, you know, I lose my, my drive and she gets mad. I just don't know what to do. I try telling myself that grammar is serious and it's a serious issue and I, she should be thankful of it. Well, I should be thankful of it, but I've never been around anyone who has a grammar fetish. So if you could tell me um, what to do or give me some advice, that would be great. I just feel irresponsible for not um, maybe respecting her fetish as much as I do, but I just can't help it because of grammar. I feel like I should respect her fetish more than I do. But it's grammar. You know, just when you thought you've heard it all, just when you thought every fucking crazy-ass fetish has landed on your desk with a splat, you get a call like this one. Is it bullshit? He sounds so sincere, doesn't he? And people have really, some people have really weird, obscure fetishes. And I have met the grammar police. I have met grammar, quote-unquote, fetishists. You know, I work at a newspaper. We have copy editors on staff who are grammar Nazis and their obsession with grammar is weird and has a passion about it that could easily, I think if you drop somebody on their head, become a sexual thing. But just to be sure, we're going to give this motherfucker a call. We're going to grill him because I don't necessarily believe this, but let's get him on the phone and see if he can convince us. Hello. Hey, it's Dan Savage. Hey Dan, what's up? How are you? Um, I'm okay. I think How are you doing? I, I'm good. I think I speak for everyone out there listening when I say, no way. No fucking way. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Way. <laughs> I mean, I know. Well, c congrats to you. You know, it's not every day that somebody can bring something to me that I haven't heard of before. Um. Or well, dealt with before. Done before. Right. How did um, she introduce this to you? Oh, by the way, I have a grammar fetish. Funkin' Wagnalls by the bed, not a coincidence. <laughs> Well, or is she actually, a Chicago Manual of Style girl? I kind of stumbled upon it myself by accident. Um, one day I was at her place, and but she didn't know I had come in the door. She like left the back door open, and I was going to her bedroom, and I heard um, like some moans and groans and stuff, and she had the. Grammar Girl podcast playing like full volume mm -hmm. and she was just like 
you know, beating off to it. Okay, so this is, makes me think you're lying, because if she had the Grammar Girl podcast playing full volume, how did you hear her moans and groans? They were more subtle. I mean, full volume, not like a stereo that is like a home. Uh-huh. Home stereo. So you caught, yeah. you caught her masturbating to a Grammar podcast. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then it was a few weeks later, and I was just like, I was like, oh, maybe she's a lesbian, because... You know, the girl. Yeah, that's what lesbians generally do. Um, all the lesbians I know, they generally masturbate to grammar podcasts. That's very no, lesbian. I'm not, no, I meant like the voice or something. Maybe uh, she was attracted to the voice, you know? Uh-huh. And I was like, um, whatever, okay. But then a few weeks later, she was like, um, it's just like what you said earlier. She's just like, hey, I really like grammar. It turns me on a lot. Is that okay? And I was like, um... And she can live with you saying things like, and I was like, um... That, maybe that, tur- that turns her on, though, right? Oh. <laughs> you say like a lot, no. and the grammar police hate that. Yeah, we'll see. She is cognizant of the fact that I think it's weird. But she's, I try to hide as best as I can that I think it's so silly and... Okay, well... Um, it, it is weird, and, and if the, I'm just going to go with it, and I'm going to assume that everything you're saying is true, because um, yeah. I've, I've heard weirder. Uh, it, it is weird, and it is very uncommon, and it is a fetish that, uh, you know, it's harmless. I don't see any reason why you shouldn't indulge her in it, uh, but she can't expect that you, for how long have you been dating? About four months. Okay, she can't expect that you... Uh, in just four months' time, are going to be able to do this with a completely straight face. Eventually, you'll be able to do it with a straight face. You'll be able to use ain't uh, incorrectly and be corrected while she moans and groans. Um, Or, you know, hand her an essay with there, there, and there, all misused, and, you know, drive her to the new heights of ecstasy. Eventually, you'll be able to do that all with a straight face just because the repetition will make it seem... You know, we'll, we'll drain the humor from it, and all you'll be left with to appreciate is how much it turns her on. But, you know, it's just like if you were into diapers and bonnets and baby bottles, you couldn't expect that your girlfriend, at least the first few times that she sees you dressed like that, isn't going to laugh. You know, she's working right. her way toward, you know, for the infantilist in you, she's working the way, her way toward being able to, you know, roll around and take you seriously and, you know, discover the pleasure in it. But at first, you know, if you're an adult baby, the first time you whip out the outfit for a new partner, you have to be tolerant of, you know, their natural response to the sight of a human adult in diapers, which is a laugh. And so she has to, you know, be at the same place. You know, her fetish is really crazy. It's great that she found you, and it's great that you're GGG, and that she's GGG for you. It sounds like that's going to work out for both of you. Great, because you have fetishes too, it sounds like, or things you like? No, I mean, nothing on that scale. <laughs> um, well, if I you do ever do of- develop something on that scale, you'll be able to call in the chits. In the meantime... It sounds like you're both good for each other, but you, trust me, eventually it won't seem so funny anymore, because you'll just, you know, it'll be like watching the same sitcom 7,000 times, same episode of South Park, you stop laughing after a while, you'll stop laughing after a while, you'll just be left with turning her crank, and she needs to be cool with that. She needs to be cool with the fact that, and have a sense of humor about her fetishes. You know, so many people, when it comes to their fetishes or kinks, don't have a fucking sense of humor about it. Like, you should be able to laugh and joke about it while you're doing it and enjoy it. Too. Right. Maybe I could do a better job of trying to 
make it more of a lighter subject when we talk about it, because right now I'm kind of just scared. Just throw, I mean, you know what, just throw yourself in. Stop approaching it like she has leukemia or this is some disease. You know what I mean? Just throw yourself into it. You know, this is who she is. This is what turns her on. You're going to be her boyfriend. You're going to do it. And it makes yeah. you the stud because you turn her crank. Is it possible to, like, like when we're in the middle of it and I start laughing, either inside my head. Is it possible to recover? I've I, I trained myself to do inside my head, you know. But then I, I lose my drive, you know, and it's like, oh, God, I have to start over again. You just need to, you know, you need to do a little transference in your head. You know, people say silly, a lot of people who like to hear certain words and phrases when they're fucking, like some people really click into certain words and phrases when they're fucking, that may not be what the other person thinks is sexy to hear or say while they're fucking. And so a lot of people in that situation, what you do is, you know, the words coming out of your mouth are, you know, correct my grammar, librarian hottie, but the words spooling out in your head are, God, I love your fucking pussy. So fucking hot. Like, you can say one thing and be thinking another. You can walk and chew gum at the same time. Kind of like when you're imagining you're in bed with someone else and who you're actually with? Yes. A little Ooh. like that, yes. <laughs> and good luck with it, and we want an update every once in a while. We want you to call back and tell us what's up. And if there's any I way would... you can get the girlfriend to call and walk us through how this, uh, where this fetish came from, we would love to hear from her. <laughs> And I tell her I promise to I promise to butcher the English language. I'll keep her fucking wet and dripping. Okay, that might end up with uh, me with some bruises or something. <laughs> I'll definitely update you. Thanks a lot. Okay, talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, Dan. Uh, this is Paul. Uh, I've been listening to your love cast since the very beginning. Love it. Uh, wish it were around when I was much younger. It would have saved me lots of confusion and... Um, Probably, uh, I would be, I'm sure, a much better person. I'd be amazing, actually. But um, I, I have three kids, 13, 11, and 9, two boys and a little girl. And I'm wondering, at what age do you think it's okay to have them start listening? I'm thinking my 13-year-old, he certainly has friends who are already fucking, probably. Um, and, you know, I'm certainly not uh, a very conservative parent when it comes to that. I, you know, very open, try to get him to talk a lot about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Um, he's been somewhat hesitant, so I'm thinking that your show is perfect, but, you know, is it cool for some kid that age to be hearing about, like, you know, fisting and Crisco wristwatches and all that stuff? Hmm. Fisting, Crisco, and wristwatches have never come up on the show. So you're projecting. That's clearly something that's playing out in your mind, and you're just putting it on the show because it's not something we've ever talked about. But we can talk about it if that's what turns you on and you want to talk about it, Dad. Uh, when should your kids start listening to the show? When they find it for them fucking selves. Just leave your kids alone. They will get online. I'm sure they're online already. If they have questions about sex, they will Google it. They will find sex podcasts, mine and others. They will find sex columns, mine and others. They will find sex wiki pages. They will find the information. They are self-motivated to go out there and get it and find it. Um, maybe in a few years when your kids are you know, late teenagers – they may initiate a conversation with you about sex information, uh, and then you could like point them in the direction of the podcast. I, I don't think a 13-year-old should be listening to this show. Sometimes I don't think a 35-year-old should be listening to this show. Sometimes I don't think I should be talking or listening to this show. Um, 
But what shouldn't be happening is parents, you know, it's just creepy when parents direct their kids to uh, info about sex that the parents wish that they had had once upon a time or that titillates the parents. Just make sure your kids have the tools at their disposal that when they are curious and they will be uh, and they want to go out and seek information and they're going to. If they have the tools at their disposal to find good quality information, throw some books on your shelves, some sex books you approve of. You know, Nerve's Guide to Sex is really good. There's other really good sex books out there. Just leave them alone. Your kids will find them, and it'll all be cool. But you don't have to direct your 13-year-old son to my show. In fact, I encourage you not to. Hi, Dan. This is Hannah calling from Houston, Texas. I just listened to your Christmas Day podcast, and I had a comment for the young woman who is in a bad poly triad. Um, your advice to her is 100% correct. She needs to get out, and she needs to get out now. Um, I've been in that exact same position. I was 28 rather than 23, but I've been in that exact same position, and it is not going to get better. Um, the woman in question, in my case, had unfortunately been with her partner for about 25 years and still was not willing to examine her own feelings and, and issues regarding being poly. So um, I stayed with it a lot longer than I should have because I didn't want to give it up. I didn't. I wanted to make it work. I somehow thought that I could make this situation better, and I just couldn't. And um, she needs to get out. So thanks for the really good advice for her. And I also wanted to let her know that... Um, Several years later, yeah, it sucked, but several years later, I am in a wonderful poly relationship, a very stable and loving triad with great communication and wonderful people who value me for what I bring to their relationship, and I get a lot of love out of it. So um, there is hope. Thanks, Dan. Bye. No, thank you for calling uh, with that great feedback. Well, that wraps up this week's podcast. Um, we had highs, we had lows, we had tears, we had laughs. Isn't that what the podcast is all about? 206-201-2720 is the number. If you'd like to record a question for a future show, please include a callback number in case we want to chat with you. We promise not to broadcast it. And you download the podcast every week at thestranger.com slash savage uh enjoy the results of the new hampshire primary tonight kids i will and then we'll be back at you next week with another sex obsessed blowjob cheating boyfriend porn store and what do i talk to my kids about sex grammar librarian fetish show